Hello again, everyone. This is the Dulcimer Geek Podcast. Are you sure? And Are you I'm sure? I'm completely positive. We've got stuff. But first, how are you? Good. Uh, you're Dan I'm, Landrum. Yeah, oh, I forgot about that part. And you're Stephen Seifert. We shouldn't even do that, should we? Can we I stop doing so. that? I think so. You, if you do, you assume that you are more notorious than you really are. I know, but who even cares who we are? You know, it's my point. No, that's a good point. So I like being we... a disembodied voice. <laughs> once, once again, as my grandchildren will tell me, tell you, if I say, if they say, "Why are you here?" I always ask them if they're asking me an existential question. <laughs> my fr- my friends are listening to this. That's funny. I don't know how I feel about it. My friend Russ, he wants us to do a 1980s podcast where all we do is, it's like, all right, six toys you wish you could buy again. Six <laughs> restaurants you wish you could visit again. I could blow, I could show what an idiot I was for blowing off the value of 80s music when Ted Yoder got 567 billion hits for saying everybody wants, playing everybody wants to rule the no, world. No, that's a good. Tears for fears. That's it is a great, great tune. I'll tell you what, I've. It is. Every once in a while, I'll look at Ted Yoder's stuff. When he releases something, he does still get significantly more views. I think he's, because he did that, they rate him oh, yeah. higher in their algorithm or whatever. So good for him. But he's a fine, he's a fine player too. So I don't, I don't want to discount that at all. It just, it's funny. You never know. You just never know. Well, I mean, I, and I'll tell you something else on Facebook lately when I release something. I'm not getting hardly any views compared to the old days. So something's going on. Well, part of it may be people don't want to hear from me. I'm thinking that, you know, might be. Oh, it. I don't know. I don't know. My, mine are about the same. I, as you, I don't know if you look at my stuff or not, but I fancy myself a bit of a writer and I write things usually once or twice a week, some kind of little short story and uh, had, had one yesterday about catching a flying squirrel <laughs> in my grandson's bedroom, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. So if you want to read such things, you can go to Facebook and see that. You know what's funny? And I know the people who say this aren't listening because they're, well, I'll be quiet. It's funny how many people say, Dan, (laughs) you're a good writer. You should write these stories down. (laughs) That's the comment they make after reading a story. Mm -hmm. You see the irony in that? Yeah, but what they mean, of course, is that you should actually commit this to some permanent form publish it yeah that's true that's true i mean this whole face hook thing is wearing me out have you the the apple phone now like once a week like on sunday night when you're deep despair facing the coming monday (laughs) well i mean for most people it tells you how much time you've spent on your phone all week oh we should have i I can't, my phone is using FaceTime right now, but we should totally do that and have confession time. Well, mine says two and a half hours a day, but I suspect when I put, you know, some of the podcasts we listen to are on YouTube and like, and if I'm in the kitchen, instead of listening to the audio version, I'll just watch the video version. And I think it's counting that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it does it. But I mean, it makes you crazy to think. I don't want to be on a phone too. I think and a half mine's hours more than that. Day. So, do you go to sleep listening to a podcast? 
Yeah, I've wondered about this too. Um, I always set the 10 or 15 minute. What I like about putting a 15 minute sleep timer on it is the next day I just back it up 14 minutes because I fall asleep in about yeah. a minute. It's pretty common. Most people I've asked that question to say yes. And then, I don't know, it was a few months ago I heard Stephen Colbert say, talk about that thing where you go to sleep with one one earphone in your ear, you know, the wireless, and then you wake up in the morning and the thing's like disappeared somewhere and you wonder if you've swallowed it or it's stuck in a crevice right. somewhere. Yeah, I, I don't wrap a wire around my head before going to sleep. You just put it up by your bedside. Hey, I got a bunch of dulcimers hanging on the wall. I was going to comment on that, but I decided not to because people who are listening can't see it and don't realize the beauty of all the dulcimers hanging behind your head on a wall. I'm glad I'm not superstitious because it worked. It just worked out 13. Yeah, lean your head down. Lean your head down so I can see fully. I count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yep, 13. 13. And I'll tell you, laying that out on the wall, laying it out and, and measuring everything three times and that took forever. I tried to stagger everything, get it just right. Why is there, why is there a bear costume hanging up back there? That's <laughs> not. What are you looking at? Oh, that's just your shirt. Okay. Oh, come on. Um, so I gained that 10 pounds, and in the last five days, I guess, I went back to trying to avoid sugar, grains, starches, and I think I've... It's probably water weight, but four and a half pounds, I think, have come off. I had a five-grain piece of bread just before we started the podcast. It's wonderful. Because it's so good. It's so healthy. It's so good. I don't know what's happening. <clears throat> so let's move into uh, things that might be interesting to dulcimer players. Oh. Uh, I posted a video <clears throat> this week of my workstation. Oh, yeah. I heard about uh, that. I haven't seen that it created. yet. Yeah, it's not all that exciting. I'm just blabbing on about it. But the compositions are starting to flow. I'm using this. And, you know, you and I have talked about this concept before of uh, not uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Like where you fail at something because you don't take the last step and it's like self-sabotage. It's like you don't do the last thing you know you ought to do and maybe the reason you're not doing it is a fear of failure. Right? I don't I understand you. that. That's the one thing I've never understood. Does that mean f- fear of failure is like uh, if, if it works out and, and more opportunities come your way, maybe that's something you don't want? Because I'm not afraid of failure. I'm not afraid of more opportunities. I'm not afraid of money. What What is that? The idea would be subconsciously you're afraid that if all of the doors opened and you walk through them, you might not have what it takes in order to complete the project. Okay. So having a reason for it that is not based on your own talent, and I use that word you know, with all of the complicated support that we've talked about that word. We don't like it, but you know what I mean when I say that. I would that s- it's just that you aren't good enough. I think yeah, well I mean I think I sometimes think this project's not gonna end well. But I I'm not afraid of success. I'm afraid of failure. 
That's what I'm saying. That's, do you and, smell something really fruity? <laughs> yeah, no. No, I'm in a, I'm in another. Uh, Does this mean I'm I'm gonna have a stroke? I smell. <laughs> nobody's in the house except me, and I've got. It's a real strong smell of perfume. All of a sudden, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I have no idea, Steve. That was a squirrel. You're just chasing a squirrel. No, if I pass out, call 911. Anyway, back to this fear of failure. So what, how are you, you're, you're talking about your desk, you're getting more done. Well, yeah, I, I've kind of known for years that I should do this thing. Hey, listen, you looking around the room and sniffing. No, keep going. It's distracting going. to me. Keep, it's hard to pay okay, attention keep with going, you doing keep that. Going, keep going. <laughs> just act like you're listening to me. Okay, That's a okay. skill. Yeah. Anyway, I've known for a long time that I should do this. And I don't know why I didn't. I thought, well, that'd be a waste of time. I've wasted so much time on other things. I should have wasted some time on this. It is just delightful to be able to pull out my hammer dulcimer. And it's right here in front of me. And this microphone that I'm speaking in is connected you know, to the desk. And it's on a boom. And I've got a mid-side. We'll talk about that in a minute if you want to. I've got a mid-side recording system set up. That uh, boy midside is fantastic, by the way. I'm watching just, your video right now. I'm looking at it. I could just move it up or down, move the microphone up or down on its out of the way, slide the desktops in and out. And when the muse, for someone who is involved as as many things as I am, and that's maybe a gentle way of talking about how easily distracted I am, but I do get bored easily. So I tend to have lots of things going on. I need to be able to move from one of those things to the next thing pretty quickly. Right. And there may be those of you who suffer similar affliction or blessing or however you like to look at it. And I'm going to say right now, go for it. If you see a way to make it easier and it doesn't hurt you or someone else to try it, why not try it? And if you find out that the thing you thought you wanted to do isn't as satisfying as you thought it would be once you get there, you will push that out of the way and move on to the next thing. Well, that you know, the, some people say you shouldn't leave an instrument out, that it's better to put it up. But I feel like if getting that thing out of the case is going to keep you f- from playing sometimes, then hang it up. And if something happens to it, so be it. I mean, I don't know if they're thinking of humidity changes or... I just, I think a, a played instrument... Is, is worth a lot. I, I'm looking at this where you pull it out. This is huge, Dan. Yeah, you've got this little tray under your desk and it comes out and there you go. And then you can shove it right back under. I've I've noticed I have a piano, electronic piano to my left and I really want it in front of me on a drawer like that. But you've got to buy or build a pretty substantial desk to have that. Well, you've known... As long as you've known me, I've had this desk, and I've had it for about 15 years longer than that. I bought this thing in the mid-'90s. I ordered it from a company called MRAC out of Australia, and I did a bunch of research back then. <clears throat> and it was <clears throat> excuse me, it was back when I was working in radio, and we were building a couple of not just broadcast studios but recording studios, and so I was kind of into what make, uh, what's a good desk. You know, What would you want to get underneath if there was a tornado? <laughs> it seemed like, all right, that's a lot of money, but there's a reason why these things are so high quality. Anyway, it was back then. I mean, it was probably $2,500 I paid for it for a desk. I know. But it looks like I've been having, looking at like a $1,200, that kind of thing. 
Yeah, but having this thing 20 plus years yeah. and having rebuilt it, how many times? I mean, it's, you remember this from, this is the same one I had in the studio back when I was over under a drive and uh, when I first met you. It's just, I've just changed it. So you notice the racks don't come all the way down. There's just really small racks up at the top now because okay. we don't need all that rack space yeah. anymore. But they're almost all made and you could find one for a keyboard easily. You know, where the lower shelf slides out and the keyboard's right there and ready. My problem was I'm never going to be a keyboardist. I mean, I mess with piano a little bit, right. but that's not the kind of music I make. So I had to find a way to make the hammer dulcimer come out far enough. It's great. So it's not just the slide out lower part. I then made a second sled, basically, that the hammer dulcimer hooks onto. So the keyboard shelf slides as far as it will, and then the hammer dulcimer pulls out farther. If that makes sense. Hey, I built a little tray over to the side. I've been just playing with hammer dulcimer a little bit lately. Um, I don't know. There's this thing. Like, I like to get squared up, you know, right before I hit the strings. Mm, mistake. And and then I, 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 I'll shift my upper body a little bit if I have to go to one side of the bridge or the other. It's – I've just been appreciating lately – how bad I am at that. And that's a I would like to, crazy instrument. I'd like to, I kind of like to encourage you to give up on that squared up thing. I don't, <clears> I've never even to, heard that advice. I mean, what am I even talking about? <laughs> what people tend to do, especially when they're trying to learn something, is they put their hammers out there and they make them be parallel with each other. And if you watch a proficient player, somebody who's really grooving, or even somebody who has gotten past that and they're playing a song, once you get into the playing of a tune, you're not squared up anymore. Your hammers go at angles okay. to each other. Well, good. Well, because that's just kind of naturally where your body is. But everyone, including me, everybody does it. It's just kind of a natural way to start. But then you realize, okay, this isn't actually. So I remind myself, nope, make a V uh, and chill. And it's easier for you. And I've, and I've also been listening to the tone. I'll go to an instrument and I'll hit like the D note that's right in the middle of the instrument and just listen to that one note. There, yeah. there, there are a lot of different sounds. Ton of tones, yeah. Can I talk about mic technique for a minute? Uh-oh. <clears throat> what do you know about mid-side? Well, I, I, I did it on an old console 20 years ago where you use... It's an exaggerated form of stereo. I think you use two mics and one of them, you duplicate it and switch the phase. I forget. What's the deal? Yeah, so when stereo recording actually became a thing, this was an engineer who came up with this idea to guarantee, especially for broadcast, that when something was summed to mono, that you wouldn't have phase cancellation. So we've probably talked about this in the past. So just a a quick primer on what that phase cancellation means. Everyone has watched a speaker move, and the speaker moves in and out, right? You agree? Oh, I agree. All right. It can only move one direction at one time. If you took a recorded signal on one microphone and you just reversed the wires, basically instead of when it's going out telling it to come in and you ran that signal through that speaker, both of those signals, the first one and the reversed one, you'd have silence because the speaker can't move in two directions at once. That's right. All right, so that's why when you get two microphones on the instrument, 
you always run this chance of face cancellation. Especially when those microphones are at a distance from each other. Yeah, there's the whole rule of thirds, but let's avoid that for now and just talk about mid-side. Because I don't think we've ever talked about this. Mid-side takes a, a an omnidirectional microphone, and not all mics will do this, but a mic that allows you to turn on the diaphragm so that it's picking up from the left and the right side. And you and I are both speaking into the same kind of microphones right now, these AKG 414s. Right. And they're not cheap. They're eleven to $1,300, depending on which one you get. But one of the polar patterns that you have on there looks like a figure eight. And that means it's picking up sound from both sides. So you take that microphone and you place it so that it's not facing the instrument, but it's facing off to the sides of both instruments, whether it's both of the instrument. So if it's a guitar, instead of having the mic face facing the guitar, you would have it facing perpendicular. Does that make sense? Well, one of them is facing towards you and away, and the other is, is your left and well, right. Well, no, I want to talk about the one mic first. But oh, the, okay, the, okay. What's called the side mic. That one is facing, so it's picking up left and right. But understand that that mic can't really pick up left and right. It's just that it's getting a signal from both sides. And there's still some to mono. So what comes out of that is a mono signal, but it's reflective of what's happening on the left and right side of it. I know that's a little weird to understand. You're losing people. But, <laughs> but then, but this is Dulcimer Geek. This isn't that's Dulcimer right. Simple. This is the Dulcimer Geek podcast. The other mic, your, your mid mic, is facing directly straight on toward the instrument. And they recommend the farther you get from the sound source, like if it's a choir or a piano or a big hammer dulcimer, the more important it is that you use the same microphone. So you need three channels to do this, right? Well, there's other ways to do it, but you start with just two channels. You record on two channels only. You record the mid-side microphone. Remember, because it's not stereo, even though it's picking up both sides, it's still mono. And then you record your regular regular one. Then you take your side channel recording and look this up if you're interested in pursuing this because it's fascinatingly good sounding stuff. The, the microphone mounting system is really the hardest part of it is to get them right. But the, the side mic, you then duplicate that track. So it's on there twice. You reverse the phase of that track. Or the polarity. The polarity, yeah. And so now if you kept that in mono, and you sent both of those channels out your speakers, you would hear nothing because one's telling the speaker to go out, one's telling the speaker to come in. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you reverse the polarity and you put one hard left and one hard right. And then you put your mid mic dead in the middle, right in the center of that. And depending on the kind of microphones you have, you get this tremendous bass response. And one of the things that's really cool about it is you have the ability to then make it sound like you are closer or farther from the microphone by changing that stereo field. And so if you brought them both to mono, they would turn themselves off, basically, making it sound like there's less of a stereo field. But when you have them panned right and left, they sound tr <clears throat> like a tremendously wide stereo field. But if somebody happens to play this back on a, like a phone that only has a single speaker, 
they cancel each other out and you only hear the mid microphone. Yeah, so it's mono compatible. It's 100% mono compatible. Such a cool deal, especially today's, I think, since people are changing listening patterns and listening on all kinds of little bitty devices. Well, I think it so, would be neat if you would set up some mics so that somebody could hear your normal mic technique versus this and then just for kicks put a put a single mic on, you know, just so somebody could hear that. Yeah, I've I've done that for myself just so that I can Well, that sounds like a great it. Facebook post. You ought to write a story. Yeah, or it could be a could be a podcast. I might do a podcast on that. That's a neat idea, actually. So, yeah. Anyways, I guess that's enough geeky stuff about that. It's uh, one more thing, though. <laughs> For those of you that are using more modern DAWs, D-A-W, digital audio workstations, almost all of them have plugins or effects that you can turn on that do all of the complicated stuff for you. So there's like, it makes it so I can record one stereo channel with the mid-side mic in one side and the regular, the facing mic in the other one, and it does all the math. And so I don't have to create all the extra channels. Plus, they have EQs now that are intended for mid-side. It's a whole new world. I mean, you yeah, do so, not have to be a brilliant engineer to understand all this. And stuff the now. side mic is in, in figure eight, but the uh, the front-facing mic can be cardioid, omni, or figure eight. Exactly. If you, the problem with the side mic is it tends to it's a little bright sounding, and so some people will experiment with that. If you want more bass response, you go with a. If you want less bass response, like you're getting close to an acoustic guitar, you'd probably want to use a cardioid mic. But I would recommend for a piano or hammer dulcimer, or certainly for a choir, that you use an omni because you have to get the the mic a little farther away. Hey, do you think people in the dulcimer world are recording fewer albums than they did 15, 10 years ago? I think there is imperial evidence to support that, absolutely. Hmm, why is that? I bet there's, well, because people aren't buying albums the same way. I know, but I mean, uh, you know, Bob Dylan, he'll, he'll still do a record every once in a while. <clears throat> yeah, but he's at the uh he's at the high end of the of the graph, you know. We yeah. I think I have an idea. Right now, you can have your friend hold a, a phone and record you with your little trio. You can throw that on Facebook and you get you sh- you're able to share your music, get some recognition, maybe make some connections. 20 years ago, a CD was a was kind of the main way to do that. You know, so it's almost yeah. like Facebook has allowed people to see what we're all up to without going through all the trouble of making a a CD. So I don't mean the per, I don't mean full time performers, but just like my mom, she talked about let's do a CD, which we should. But she's kind of content maybe right now just to know that we're up on Facebook and stuff. You know? Yeah. So people all for the longest time, folks would would say now you're wanting to do a CD because you're going to think you're making going to make a lot of money off of it or because you want it for archival purposes archival and sharing and and yeah. making connections yeah. uh, getting into new projects yeah i think that archival need is being met now but i'll tell you man i know we touched on this last time but the reason i need a new cd is to force me to come up with like 16 new things you know that's the 
Yeah. The the biggest, by far the biggest reason I should do a CD. You're a performer. Oh you got to perform. Hey, I'm sorry to go back to this, but I just just realized I'm recording on a mid-side setup right now, and I'm only having the audience hear the uh, the mid. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna do an experiment right now so people can hear what it's like. So <clears throat> forgive this noise. I'm turning the mic just a little bit. Steve, you can see I'm standing up now. I'm speaking into it just like I was on the uh, just like what the hammer dulcimer would hear. Okay. I am now. <clears throat> excuse me. All right. Now I'm gonna count to ten, and as I count to ten, I'm gonna spread the stereo field by bringing that side mic in. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, nine, ten. So now I've fully brought in that side mic, and you should—it should sound like I'm in a different space, though I didn't change the space. I just panned those fields out, like we talked about earlier. I'm gonna count them back to mono now: ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. So uh, sit back down now. I have no idea what that sounded like because. I have to do that in the DAW. We'll find Does out. Does that make sense? You've just given me we'll a reason out. to listen to the Dulcimer Geek podcast. <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to go. have to find that. I want to hear that. And if it doesn't work, I'll just cut out this part of the program. <laughs> hey, when we, um, we went to England, we visited with John Crocker. Yeah. So I just want to do a shout out to John Crocker. I don't know if he listens to the show or not. Yeah, I, I think he does, and I have a pair of his hammers just sitting about 10 feet away from me. So I'm I'm going to go to England in October, I think. Oh, cool. You're doing the Malvern? It's, um, they, they're pretty active, I guess, over there, but there's something coming up in May. I'm doing October. Yeah. I, don't, I don't... May's Halsey Manor. Oh, okay. And I think Aaron May is going to that. I'm not sure who else. Um... Wait, did I get that name right? Aaron May? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers was the old name. Um, anyway, hello, John, and I'm looking forward to seeing you. I'd kind of like to just go to his house and eat cheese for a day. Oh, man, his house is so nice. It was cool. That whole street, it was beautiful to me. Yep. Because um, it, it is. Yeah. And I got some other wow. stuff. Wow. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're recording this on the day that... Uh, uh, there's going to be there's a no confidence vote on their prime minister. Oh, that's today. right. Well, this is yeah, the, this is January 16th. This might be the best day to buy a uh, ticket over there. I don't know. I don't know what it's doing to their uh, actually. Value. Actually, no, no. On news that Brexit may fail, the uh, pound went up in value. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. The best day to buy your tickets was yesterday. Seriously, I thought so because I watched a ticket. <laughs> Yesterday, I go from eleven hundred to seven oh six, but I didn't have the money to get it. <laughs> so, wow! Yeah, here we go. You know, whatever. Um, I've got a thing coming hey, up. Yeah, what? Before we, you're so can hard. I do to one more thing. I know. Well, the FaceTime is freezing every now and then. I want to play Hammer Dulcimer for just a second. I, I didn't. Re- I could have just faced the mic down and let people hear what it sounds like. <laughs> Why don't we do this demo now? This is what we do, right? Okay. Let me give you I'm going to sound distant distant for a minute cuz I'm going to face the but you'll still hear me. I'm going to face the mics towards the hammer dulcimer and I'm going to do three examples here, Steve. All right. 
This is why I like having a work session. I mean, a workstation. I'm going to record it in omnidirectional, hypercardioid, then cardioid, so you can hear the difference of a mid-side recording in three different patterns. You're obsessed with this. You can't let go it's, of it. It's awesome. All right, here goes. We're going to go with uh, omnidirectional first. So it should sound more distant. I just put the mic down. I'm moving it away from me, and we're going to do this. Let's see. Switching it back up so I can change the pattern. I'm going to play the same thing. This will be hypercardioid. Probably heard a loud bump, but. Okay, so now I'm going to switch it to a cardioid pattern. So here's basically the same thing. should be enough for you to hear the changes sorry you're gonna hear one more pop while i switch it back to omni that's cool you can edit those pops out man i can you know it is what it is all right there you go all right now we've actually done a little bit of a scientific experiment and i don't have to go back and do something later huh so anyway you're going to england i won't I'm done. I won't do that again. I was thinking. I was, you know, we listen to some podcasts where they're they've gotten pretty good at doing their shows, you know. And I think um, I've been picking up on some rules of podcasting that nobody's said, but I just I wonder about it, and I kind of want to say it on a podcast in case anybody wants to do a podcast. Um, number one. I don't, and I I don't mean all podcasts, but the the good ones that I listen to, where there's two people involved, they never pick on each other. I don't know if you've noticed I that. Good, I think that's a good rule. I mean, it seems like a good rule. Like, does anybody want to hear that? <clears throat> I also think it it goes back to that number one rule in improv is that you accept every offer. Okay, that's the number two. And this is one I break with you regularly. So I'll be listening to a podcast. One person A stops what they're saying. Person B launches into something else. Um, right at the same time as person A is talking. And you can hear immediately one of them yield and just drop it. And I, I hear this in interviews all the time too. Um, it's almost like if somebody interrupts you, just go with it, you know? Just let go of whatever it was you were wanting to talk about. Um, now, that one's not followed as much, but I hear it followed a lot. And number three, which is one I just broke, never talk about the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no no, in, no inside jokes. I've, I've said that. And that's a rule in broadcasting also. Oh, if you're yeah. listening to a, a, a morning show or a, you know, be it TV or whatever – you lose people when when they start laughing about something that happened earlier in the day. Uh, unless it can relate to the audience. Remember, uh, uh, interest, impact, and immediacy. If it immediately just happened, like you said, I was walking into the studio and I saw a milk truck run into a donut truck. 
Well, even though you're the only one who saw that, that immediately happened. And it's kind of interesting because it's not normal, right? Yeah. You know, you got a visual, you got a visual out of that story, but if you're going to tell me about the fender bender you had in the Walmart parking lot two days ago, nah. Well, here's it's one. If somebody's smaller audience, if you're going to do any kind of instructional video, I think we've mentioned this one before, but I feel strongly about it more so than ever. Check this out. I'm going to pretend I'm doing an instructional video. Hi, I'm going to show you guys how to work with table edit today. Let's get started. And I think, and then they launch into it, right? And a better intro would be, hi, I'm going to show you how to work with table edit today. And then boom, you just go into the lesson. But I'm hearing let's get started so often that it's, it's starting oh, to yeah. kill me. And I, I've done one, it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a teacher on lynda.com and I love lynda.com. I use it a lot. Let's get started. This guy says, Okay, now, what you want to do right here is what we're going to do is we're going to take the cursor and uh, what we want to do with the cursor is once we get the cursor in our hands and we go over here, we're going to select the tool over here that looks like an arrow. You'll notice it's over here on the left and it looks like an arrow. Uh, <laughs> I'm dying. The beauty of being able to start and stop recordings is you don't have to repeat yourself. Yeah, but then you got to imagine... Well, that's why in some of my instructional videos, I'm often, I'll often say, hey guys, remember you have a rewind and a pause button, make liberal use of those because I just want to show you this once and you probably need to go through this three times, you know? Hey, can we talk about capos? Mm Mm-hmm. Capos. So, um... I've been using it at Butch Ross's house at Christmas. I need to get it back. <laughs> well, try one of these out. So Terry McCafferty, um, he's got a new capo that is a delight to use. The reason this is interesting to me, I mean, I guess my two favorite capos, uh, Ron Ewing and then uh, McCafferty's new capo, um, But what I've noticed is, first of all, let's just get real about this. There are some capos out there that don't work right, or they're very awkward to deal with. And what I think I've seen happen in the dulcimer world is capo use has gone down a lot. Um, In workshops, it's like I'll have intermediates and I'll say, let's all capo at one. And Five of them don't have a capo and everybody groans. <laughs> and it's, and it's, um, part of that is, and this, I really, I could be wrong. Oh, all my friends make capos. Um, Ron Ewing's capos are pretty solid, they work pretty well. Then we had an influx of a bunch of other capos. Some work well, some don't. A lot Be- of them. Before you leave, don't. Ron, can I yeah. say something? Yeah. About Ron? Uh, so Ron has advertised his capos in Dulcimer Players News forever. So oh, there's yeah. there's one reason alone that you should you should buy his capos because he supports the. the <laughs> so that's one. But the other is, <laughs> I designed Ron's ad probably ten years ago. Oh yeah. The only thing he's ever changed in it, he knows how long it takes to make one, how much it costs, every little bit of it, yeah. and he's so careful as prices increase 
you know, we'll get a, we, I don't do this anymore, but we'd get an email that say, would say, I need to go up 50 cents right <laughs> on the capo. I think somebody who goes up 50 cents on something knows what they're doing. <laughs> knows what they're doing. That's funny. Yeah. Well, um, some of these capos out there, they, they're mushy. So uh, some of them don't stick to the sides well. Some of them are just awkward to turn. And I do want to state for the record that I love Ron Ewing and I love his capos. Enter capo number two, which I'm crazy about. This McCafferty capo, it goes up a little higher. So when you're going in to screw the thing, you're not at near the top of the dulcimer. It's got this buttery smooth thread and it's super, here's the thing, it's fast to get on and off. I mean, I can change this, I can change my capo position if I practice it in one quarter notes time on a song that's not too fast, maybe a half note on a fiddle tune. I can actually unscrew, move, screw, done, or like really fast. So is this an advertisement? Sure, especially if that kind of thing offends you. <laughs> but I think you should go check out McCafferdyDulcimers.com. Go to the store, the shop, look for the capos. He makes a radius one. But um, I'm going to start carrying a bunch of these. And maybe to be fair, I need to have some Ron Ewings too. But um, yeah. I just, it's a funny topic for me because I feel indebted to Ron Ewing. And uh, I'm very thankful for what he's done. I don't want to make him mad, but this McCafferty is is a, it's a worthwhile innovation. I think Ron maybe sh- I should we should send some to Ron. I don't know. Can you tell I'm nervous? But the point is, it's accurate. And here's another thing, man. People they get in tune. They put a capo on that's squirrely and knocks them out of tune. Then they retune sure. with the capo on. Then they play. Take the capo off. They're out of tune now. They got to tune again. I think that's one reason people have quit using capos. Maybe as much as because they don't want to retune all the time. Let's let's assume you've got the perfect world capo. Is there a way that you can put it on that's improper that would make you be out of tune or tuning before you put it on or after? Well, the main thing is think of this: when you capo, the string ramps up from the bottom of the capo to the fret. So if you put it to the left of the fret. You've got some air under the string, so you can actually push down on the capo more on some in some situations, and you're actually going to make the strings go sharp. And what if you push on one side more than the other? And the different string gauges affect this thing too. So, so if what's you're going to put, be- well, hang on. If you're going to put the capo to the left of the fret, you have to practice and know just the right tension so that you're still in tune, and that can be done. Now, the second way of putting the capo on it, what I've done for the last four years, but I've quit doing it recently, is I put the capo so that the very edge of the capo, man, I, I don't know if somebody just stole Amazon from me. Ugh. <laughs> Steve just got distracted. He's looking out the window. Okay, okay. But I'm going to sacrifice that. Amazon box. Okay. So you put the edge of the capo so that if you're staring directly above the capo, and I do not mean to the side, directly above it, your eye is right above the capo, looking straight down on your fingerboard, you will hide half of the fret 
with the edge of that capo. And when you is there a chance you get a buzz because of that? Because of the vibrating side? Well, if you put it on it wrong, then you want to apply your pressure directly over the metal, which means you got two fingers usually on the very edge of the capo pushing directly down onto that fret. I've seen you do that. You yes. do that in a in a So what you're going to avoid kind of here is it's you can't push too hard. Um, if you're doing it right and it's in the right place. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. That's that no. You can you can never tell someone they can't do something. The people that interpret that it that way deserve to break their dolls. I don't know what you mean. You're saying you you can push as hard as you can because you can't push too hard. Are you saying? Well, I don't, don't want push you to put your hard. hand through the dulcimer. But um, what I mean is, as you push the capo, it's not going to bend a string because you're not applying pressure to the string, the portion of the string that has air under it. You're applying your pressure directly over the string that has a fret right under it. Apply firm pressure. You're saying. Well, I'm just saying that pushing harder is not going to result in going sharp because it's on the fret because the only part of the capo that's touching the string the effectively is got right over the fret and so here's the problem with that the problem with that has been i've given it four years and it it's squirrely so so even though it's effective when I put the capo to the left of the fret, as long as I practice that, I'm in tune there as well. Um, so it's almost like putting it to the left of the fret is squirrely because you might push too hard and knock it sharp. P but putting it right on the fret with all that, it's awkward, and I might have to do that twice. So I don't know. I know people are going to be mad at me. <laughs> but I'm putting the darn capo just to the left of the fret, and I'm making sure i don't push too hard and something about terry's capo just makes that work even better so and i'll tell you i've been in classes where i try to teach this putting the capo right on the fret i mean i'm a fairly decent teacher and it takes a long time and everybody screws it up and it's it's a lot of work and then i don't see anybody doing it afterwards i don't know it's a real dilemma we are in a capo catastrophe no that's not true it's just people. Would you can we start capoing again? I mean, it's 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 wonderful. DAD capo one. You get the minor stuff, but you can also get some E mixolydian E major stuff. Capo three for G. Capo four for A. Change your tuning to DGD. Capo one. You've got an A minor A mixolydian thing. You can even hint at A major. DGD capo three. You're in the key of C. How cool is that? And if you have an eight and a half fret, which I don't, you get an F. So that's even better. DGD capo four, you get D, the key of D, but you get minor and major thirds and minor and major sevens. So it becomes like bluegrass land in the key of D. Let's get these. So I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, when I go to a workshop, my goal is to have a stack of capos and I'm going to start doing it with beginners. Simple, simple tunes capo. I mean, come on. Ah, that's a good idea. Let's get back to it. Oh, wow. I wish, yeah. Great idea. I wish I could have some kind of dampers like, like that where I could go, everybody attach these to your instrument and I'll show you why you need them. I wish on the hammer <laughs> dulcimer. I, I told you ah, I saw that hammer dulcimer with harp levers, levers. How do you know yeah, whether to say sharp, anyway? Um, sharpening levers. But, yeah. but I could see some kind of little lovers. bridge. That, that could be lovers. 
Well, I don't know about that. There are harp lovers. Why'd you go weird? Harp lovers. 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 Oh, my goodness. So I don't know. Is it, or what if you just had one of those on one string? What's that note in the middle of the dulcimer up high where sometimes you want a G, sometimes you want a G sharp or something like that? Is there something like that up there? Well, it'd have to be a G. Like I see some dulcimer <laughs> players, though, just change a one note up there sometimes. So I'll tell you one of the reasons why that it's a little more complicated, I think. The, uh, Harp strings don't. The harp strings have different, obviously different tension than hammer dulcimer strings. We generally have two, and they have one. And when you have two, they're not exactly the same length. And as you shorten them, I don't know. I just think it's probably a little more problematic. When you look at a Chinese Yang Chen, they have a a little sled that they do this with. It's like, think about what a sled looks like, like, a, you know, Santa would be in with a behind Santa's seat. There's like a rail up there that you can hold on to, And the rest of it slides on the snow. And there's a barrel thinking about it. Think about there being nothing in that sled, but a barrel, like a big 55 gallon drum. And then you push it forward or backwards. And that barrel can roll forward or backwards to give you your micro adjustment. And that keeps the strings the same length as they head to the bridge. Because they do that, it also changes the tonality of the instrument. And Yang Chins sound Chinese. They sound Asian, Steve. <laughs> yeah. So. But it uh, seems like it'd be nice to. Like if there was a little device that you could just stick under a string and, and crank it up or something. And it would just make that one string a half step different, even though it it would compromise the tone a little bit. It might be nice to have that, but maybe maybe not. Yeah. All right. Hey, my weird friend, uh, who leads a fairly parallel life to mine. I just heard Amazon at my front door. <laughs> Somebody's going to steal it. I had somebody <laughs> no, steal. No, you don't. Man. Listen, let me tell you what they're stealing. If they steal it, I'll be so upset. I told you, I wrote you a couple of days ago about this, uh, the latest thing I'm adding to my uh, hammer dulcimer sticking world. Uh, so I'm changing subjects. Are you cool with that? No, go, go, go. All right, listen to this. And this isn't just about me getting a toy. I'm hoping that this is the culmination of something. One of the more, uh, the most watched videos that I've ever produced, I did 50. Eight or nine years ago, I guess, in my garage where I drew lines on a practice pad and showed how to practice on a the back of a mouse pad, okay, with some quadrants in order to work on your sticking technique. Uh, you can find it if you do a search on YouTube. Uh, anyway, and I have people, and I wrote an article about it, and I still have people and every now and then. That's I, I get comments on that thing. If you YouTube it, you'll find it real quick. Uh, the Practical Practice Pad, I think, is what it says on YouTube, if you put my name in. Uh, you'll also notice, here's a funny bit of insider information. If you look at that video and notice where, my, where that mouse pad is sitting on my workbench in my garage, I was also reading a Christopher Hitchens book at the same time, and I had written down... Uh, that which can be asserted without evidence can also be dismissed without evidence or something like that. I think that's that reminds me of when I read that book. But anyway, the the mouse pad 
is a decent way to practice, but wouldn't it be nice if you were actually producing tones and you had something that responded even more like a string? Well, I've tried, and you could actually play, like play a drum. And you know, I've been working on this for years and trying to find a way to play drums with my hammer, dulcimer hammers, because I have 10,000 hours in that technique, but no drum surface that I've ever found will work. Well, enter Keith McMillan, and you, you're kind of a Keith McMillan fan also. They make these cool products for people who do who deal with MIDI. They've created a thing called a BOP pad. If anybody wants to look it up, B-O-P-P-A-D. It's a 10-inch circle with a mesh head and four quadrants on it. And in their demo, they drop BBs on it and show that it's sensitive enough that it picks up the bounce of the BBs. Okay, that's cool. If, yeah, I'm looking if at it. it. Can, if it can do that. It can pick up buzz rolls, paradiddles, single stroke rolls, flams, roughs, all the stuff we do on a hammer dulcimer. And it may be the ultimate practice surface. It's not cheap. It's about 200 bucks. Uh, but anyway, I have one coming today, and I am so excited. It's an interesting idea. Huh. Well, hopefully it doesn't get stolen. <laughs> I hope I hope so. Hope not. Do I hope not or I hope yeah. what, what do I hope, Steve? Well you don't hope so. Wait a minute. Hopefully well, it doesn't get stolen. If I hope so, I hope what you say is so. That's right. But I hope not that it gets stolen. I think my old English teacher would say there may be a clearer way to to say that, Dan. I think so. Hey, before we leave Capo, which we already left, do you know what the other member the other name? The other meaning of capo is? Don't look it up. Capo. Capo. I don't know. So they're related. Well, I know in in music form, you know, in structure, it's used to to navigate the page. But what are you talking about? So it's from the uh, uh, capotasto from the Italian, which means literally head stop. So it's like a new stop on the head of your instrument. You're changing the head of the instrument. It's a head stop, but it also means the leader of a mafia family because of the word head. The leader of a mafia family is the capo. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you could take that and do something with it, I think. Well, the mafia, some people say it's died off. Other people say it's uh, it's, it's going strong. Hey, there's another podcast the people would probably like more than this one. Oh, there's many. <laughs> well, listen, uh, Hearts of the Dulcimer, we've mentioned them before. You guys, yes. you know, I went out and stayed with those guys out in um, Portland. They have got some really neat podcasts. And I I think everybody should listen to all of them. We all owe them for putting their life energy into these podcasts. I mean, they're if you haven't listened to these go now hearts of the dulcimer um just do a great job so there's a little plug for those guys yeah yeah that's a fun podcast it's it's different and more informative than ours <laughs> oh i have another advertisement <laughs> oh wow so uh, if you get money for this you have to share you know i don't have to do anything i don't have to do anything uh, that's true check out dulcimerevents.com dulcimerevents.com you can uh, you can what's cool is if you click on the events page 
And then um, there's this little gray box that says view as, and you select map. It'll bring up a map of the United States or the whole planet actually. And it'll there's a little red dot everywhere. There's a festival event, concert, that kind of stuff. So um, check that out. And if you want to post an event, you create an account for free. Get it up there. Because I I was having a hard time. I mean, we used to have everything Dulcimer had a nice festival page. We had the Gila. What's that Gila monster? How do you say Gila? G-I-L-A. He, well, it's Gila monster. Okay, there you go. She had a page. We also had this. Uh, what was that guy's name that had a Z in it? It was a. Wait a second. That was a Gila festival. <laughs> Z. Anyway. And then I, I didn't realize, but Steve uh, Yulberg on his um, on uh, the Dulcimer uh, instructional site he's got, they've got a list of events, but I didn't know about that. But anyway, it's just got to be like hard. People should be able to go to one place and, and, and figure out how to make a trip from Texas to Montreal and hit, hit some stuff in between, you know, so check that out. Yeah. Is this, is this one that you're putting stuff up on? Yeah. Good. So, I, yeah. I mean, I'm running the site. I just don't want anybody to know that because, you know, I have a habit of starting things. And then, oh, I'm sorry. Know. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I mean, I was going to say it anyway. But um, <clears throat> is it the I – mean, I, I know you don't want to compare with other folks, but you think it's – is it comprehensive? Do you feel like – are you doing any, like – just kind of creeping around the web to see if you've got everything. Well, I think Steve Uhlberg's got, and then there's another guy out there with a page. Um, I like, I wrote Steve and I just said, Hey, you know, I, I didn't realize you're, you were keeping track of events. Although I may have run into it before and forgot, but um, I just said, I think it's good that there's more than one place for this stuff. Really? Because if something happens to one of us, you know, boom, it could be gone. Um, the thing- I think if you take, yeah, I think if you take uh, all of the stability you have in your life and all of the stability I have in my life and put it together, we're almost as stable as Steve Yulberg. He's pretty stable. He's pretty, very stable. But if you go to this, if you go to dulcimerevents.com and you type in Knoxville, so you want to find stuff near Knoxville, um, It'll bring up um, a number of things here, all the way from Cookville over to Asheville. And then down in the bottom, you can sort by price. You can tell it, I only want uh, Mountain Dulcimer. I only want Hammered. You, It's got a lot of features for finding what you're looking for. Excellent. So all right. I need to go. Well, come on. I need to go. Why do I you do, do this, this all the need- time? We don't do it all the time. If we did it all the time, we'd probably have 300 podcasts. <laughs> but, hey, you know what? One of my goals is... You, you just want to quit the podcast because that thing's sitting out on the front porch. No, that's not true. I just checked. Uh, it's not. I just looked Yeah, at it was the, stolen. <laughs> it's Sweet Track. No, it still says it's on the vehicle for the No, vehicle, that's so good. That's good. That's not the case. But I do have some... I got some mayor in I got to go do. Go do your mayor thing. I oh. gave a speech yesterday. Huh, did you play Hammer Dulcimer right at the beginning of the speech? I didn't carry it. I didn't carry it there. You know, I almost did, and now I wish I had. 
actually. Well, you can do it next time. Maybe you can play your little uh, practice pad for him next time. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great idea. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Dulcimer Geek Podcast. We'll see you later.